Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to God Squad Church. It's an honor and a privilege to have you joining us today. Hey, whether you're watching live right now during second service, watching the VODs on YouTube, or even listening on our podcast platforms, it's great to have you. My name is Pastor Susie, and I have the immense honor of being the preaching pastor here at God Squad Church. And you're catching us right in the middle of a great season. Right now, our church is in a season right now of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And right now, we're actually in the middle of a series that I'm entitled Spiritual disciplines, that our goal during this season of fasting is to really help us line up our messages that will help us build better practices and habits, not just for 21 days, that we'll take into the rest of our lives so that we can grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus. And I spent some time this week working really, really hard on today's message, really praying and really navigating through what spiritual discipline that I wanted to talk about today. And honestly, I do a lot of my preaching planning like six months, sometimes even a year in advance. I take time and I think through what's our church going through? What questions are people asking? What are people facing? And what important things do we need to discuss and talk about? And I had a plan for today and I worked on my message all week yesterday, put some finishing touches on it. But if I'll be honest, the Holy Spirit did something in my heart today that he's done a few times in the time of my ministry, where I'm fully almost done with my message, ready to rock and roll. And then the morning of, the Holy Spirit's like, nah, I want to I change it up. I want to go a completely different direction. And I want the message to now be about this. And, and I'll tell you, I woke up early this morning and changed today's entire message. And these moments are scary, they're nerve-wracking, but I've had it happen enough times to know that they're special and beautiful because every time the Holy Spirit does this in my heart, it's because God is really, really wanting to communicate a message straight to you. And so what I want to do before we even dive in today is I want to invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. These are special moments where God's got a special plan for today. And so we've been doing a lot of new practices that maybe some of you have not really been familiar with. We've been, we've been getting on our knees and bowing before our king. We've been doing things like raising our hands. And Pastor Amanda talked about why we do that and what that means. And, and right now, I would encourage you as we pray, just to really just take both your hands and just to lift them like this with your palms up. If you're listening on podcasts and you can't even see us, what that does is that just symbolizes, God, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to take something from you. And I would just invite you to put your hands up as we pray, symbolizing, God, I'm ready to receive from today's message because God wants to communicate something to our hearts. And so let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here in all the different places that we're watching. For some people, it's here in our physical location. For other people, it's in their living room, in their bedroom. Some people are listening with their gaming headphones on. Some people are listening on audio via podcast while driving to work in the morning. God, there's so many different areas and places people are listening, but God, together we are submitting to the same Holy Spirit and learning the same word of God. And so we just say today, God, we're, we're ready to receive from you. Encourage us, uplift us, but we also give you the freedom to change us, to transform us. And we are thankful, God, that what you do in our hearts is because you're for us, because you love us, and you're not against us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to take a second, and I want you to think about maybe a new game that you've tried recently, or if you're not a gamer, maybe a habit or a hobby you've tried recently that you thoroughly enjoyed. 
Like you had a great time, you really loved it. Think about that in your mind. For me recently, it's the game Valorant. I've been playing a game Valorant, and honestly, I've been loving it. I'm starting ranked on Monday with my man, the Matty Ice, behind the camera right now. And, and I'm really, really loving it. And there might be something that you've tried recently that you thoroughly enjoyed. Maybe a game you never played, a hobby you've never done, maybe went to a restaurant you've never been to, and no complaints, nothing negative. You really, really loved it. But it's not your favorite game. Like, I'll be honest. I'm like, you're loving Valorant, but I love Halo 2 more. Uh, where's my Halo people in the chat, okay? Some of you are like, hey, I really, really, really love Rust, but it's no Zelda. That would be my wife. Some of you have maybe been to, uh, you know, maybe been to Taco Bell. You're like, hey, love Taco Bell, but it's no Chick-fil-A. Can I get an amen in the chat? Because Chick-fil-A is S-tier confirmed, okay, people, right? You've tried things that you really, really like, and honestly, you'd say, I love them. Like, I tried something recently that I love, but I love this more, Matty Ice was at my house last night because my wife and Pastor Tammy and Eliza Higgs and Merrick, they're actually watching a women's conference this weekend. And Matty Ice was at our house last night, spending some time together. And he brought over his brand new Logitech White Edition Super Light Wireless Mouse. Had me try it. Honestly, it was a sick mouse, dude. It was a really good mouse. I, I felt like I was moving a feather. It honestly was so light, it felt like I needed to like reduce my sensitivity because I was just like, I sneezed and doing 360s. It was crazy. And honestly, I really, really loved the mouse. But I love Corsair better, baby. I just do. My mouse, it feels like it was made for my hand. And nothing gets that mouse, but I just, I just love mine more. And for you, there might be a game, a hobby, a restaurant, that you enjoyed, but you just, you just love something more than whatever that thing might be. And obviously, many of us understand that you can love many things. You can love many things, but oftentimes, you love something a little bit more. And what I want us to grasp today as followers of Jesus is that at times, whether we really intend it or not, when we sin... What we are saying is, God, I do love you, but in this moment, I love me more. In this moment, I, I love me more. God, I know that you want me to be doing this, but I, I want to do this more. Maybe, maybe you've been there. I know that I have. God, I know that God wants me to be chasing holiness and to become more like him, but man, really want to do this more. And this is the great dichotomy and struggle of every follower of Jesus. God, I love you, but at times I, I love me more. Sometimes it's a battle between trying to obey God and trying to obey myself. The apostle Paul would put it this way, that the spirit is willing, that my heart wants to obey God but my flesh is weak. Then my heart does want to do good. My heart does want to love people. My heart does want to pray. My heart does want to read the Bible, but sometimes my flesh is weak, so I turn on my PC and play games instead. My, my heart is in the right place. I, I, I do want to serve people, but then sometimes I just end up doing something that benefits me more. Sometimes, God, I, I do want to obey you and chase after holiness, but sometimes I just want to watch pornography more. And it's the great dichotomy of every follower of Jesus that I love God, but sometimes I love me more. And in the series of 21 days of prayer and fasting, 
We're in a series about spiritual disciplines. And the, and the very definition of discipline is to literally not allow yourself to have the things that you want, but to give yourself the things that you need. And in a spiritual sense, to not give myself the things that I want, but rather to give myself the things that God wants. And so today, as we continue in our series, I want to introduce a principle to you that might be easy to say, but is very, very difficult to live. The discipline of self-denial. Where you and I, as followers of Jesus, need to reach the place where we make a decision where, no, I'm not going to get to have what I want all the time. I'm going to learn to say no to me and yes to Jesus. And so I want to read a passage today. Actually, it's really just one verse. And I want to spend a majority of our time literally on this one verse. And what I want to do today is I want to pull out four principles that I think you and I can learn from this verse about the benefits of the discipline of self-denial. Read it with me. This is Luke 9, verse 23, easy to read, but difficult to live. Then he, being Jesus, said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my follower, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I'm going to read that one more time. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, whoever wants to be on team Jesus, whoever wants to inherit the kingdom of God, inherit the forgiveness of their sins, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. If you're not familiar with this verse or really what Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about self-denial. You see, because back in those days, the cross was a form of punishment. It's something that they would give to criminals who had committed the most heinous of crimes as a punishment for their crimes. But what a lot of people don't also know is that the cross was not just used as a punishment for criminals, but the cross was also used as a punishment for rebellion among slaves. And the cross at times would be used for the purposes of reversing rebellion, where slaves were being told to do something but weren't doing what their master was commanding. So there was a punishment. And here's the deal. I'm in no way, shape, or form saying that if you disobey God, God is going to physically put you on a cross. But no, what he wants us to do is put our own rebellion on a cross and reverse rebellion. And saying that I am going to pick up my own cross, deny my own desires, and not once in a while, but daily, This verse is used multiple times in the New Testament in the three Gospels, but I chose Luke because I love the word daily. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not fighting temptation once a year. It's a daily battle. It's not once in a while where I have a moment where I need to choose, do I love God or do I love me more? It's a daily battle. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross daily and follow me. And the first thing that I want to point out that I think we can learn from this passage about the benefits of the discipline of self-denial 
is that it places your reliance on God instead of other things. We're going to read that verse again. You better get ready. You're going to have this verse memorized by the time I'm done with you. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. And I want you to notice that I've emphasized the word daily here because I want to talk about reliance. We have many, many things that you and I rely on in our lives, many things that we have to do, many things that we just want to do, but an important thing to understand about reliance is understanding frequency. How frequently do I have to rely on something? For example, your vehicle is reliant on you changing its oil. Whether you change it yourself or you get it done, shout out to Jiffy Lube, they changed my oil, right? Praise God, right? Whatever it might be, there's a difference in frequency for reliance. You don't need to change your oil every day, and if you do, then you probably need to get some, something fixed in your car. But you don't need to change your oil daily, but you do need to change it from time to time. Your car's health is reliant on you changing its oil from time to time. Your house is reliant on you cleaning it from time to time. Your PC's health is reliant on you blowing off the dust, which I really need to do, from time to time. If your PC is running a little bit slow, you might need to do a system restore, but you don't need to do it daily. Like, who's, who, ain't nobody got time to do a system restore like every day. I don't know, like, ain't nobody got time for that. But you do it once in a while, and that's gonna be really good for the speed of your computer. Whatever it might be, there are different things that you gotta do that other things in life are relying on you doing them in order for health or a benefit, whatever it might be. But then there's certain things that you're relying on doing daily. Things that you are really relying on. Like the whiteness of your teeth. Come on, somebody, gamers. You are relying on brushing your teeth er day if you want your teeth to stay white. Twice a day. Morning and night. Other things that our body needs daily. You need food. You need water. Our bodies are reliant on food and water for survivability. I think everyone would be would agree with that. There are certain things that we're very, very reliant on. But in our season of prayer and fasting, what we're doing is we're giving our hearts, our minds, and our, and our bodies a reality check of what we need to be the most reliant on. The most reliant on. And whatever you're fasting in this season, whether, whether it be food, whether it be social media, whether it be video games, you are reprioritizing your own reliance. If you can't go a single day without scrolling through social media, you're probably too reliant on it. If you can't go a single day, like if you start twitching and freaking out because you haven't watched Twitch for a day, you're probably too reliant on it. There are certain things that you should not need daily. But what we should need daily is God's presence. I love the lyrics of certain songs that would say, God, I need you more than the air that I breathe. I want to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. But what fasting does is it changes the things that we're reliant on and teaches us to be the most reliant on God so that I want God daily so that I'm denying myself of other things, of whatever I'm fasting for 21 days, so that I can reprioritize and remind myself that I need to be the most reliant on God's presence. I'll tell you, this today marks one week 
of our church praying and fasting. And I'll be honest, I have fasted many, many times in my life, and it is very, very, very difficult. And what I'm about to say, I want you to know that I say with love, there is no guilt, there is no shame, because I've done this myself. But after one week of our church fasting, I know that many of us have already quit. I know that many of you have already stopped, and there's no shame in guilt. I have given up at times because fasting got too hard for me. I'm not excited to say that, but I've done it. So I'm with you. But I know, just statistically, that after one week of fasting, I know that many of you have already given up. Many of you have already quit. And I tell you, I'm so grateful that God is a God of grace and forgiveness and that he shed his blood to save us from our sins, not because we had it all together, but because we didn't have it all together. Like before you started fasting, God knew that some of you were going to give up. And he still loved you. And he wanted to help you push forward and to keep trying again. But I'll tell you, at times when I've given up on fasting because it got too hard, I did it because I was too reliant on the thing that I tried to fast from. I was too reliant. Too reliant. Couldn't go one week without playing video games. Couldn't go one week without this. And it shows me I'm a lot more reliant on this than I thought I was. If I really can't go without living with it daily, I might be too reliant. Some of you might even be fasting food, and that's really physically difficult to fast, especially for 21 days. I fasted one time for 21 days straight, and all I drank was water. And I don't share with it you to, to boast, because to be honest, it was so hard I never did it again. But I can't tell you how beneficial it was for my life. It was single-handedly the greatest 21 days I've ever experienced with God. There were moments where my body was reminding me of how reliant I am on food. And hunger pains would happen. And sometimes the pain's so great that I would have to keel over on my knees on the floor and literally beg God, God, if you don't give me peace and comfort and help ease this pain, I, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. And I remember in those moments, it was as if God had just wrapped his arms around me and just an immense amount of joy overcoming me and literally the physical pain beginning to decrease, not even always going away. And this I had to do every day daily until the 21-day journey was over. But I'll tell you, it reminded me that I want to be more reliant on the presence of God than I am even on the food that I eat. Now, I understand that there are many of you that have medical conditions. Even for me, now that I have Crohn's disease, my doctors recommend that I do not do this ever again, and I respect that. But can I tell you as your pastor that I really wish that every adult, healthy follower of Jesus would experience a 21-day water fast at least one time in their life. It was the greatest thing I've ever done because it made me so keenly aware of my humanity and so keenly aware of my reliance on God rather than anything else in my life. But I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't outrageously difficult. 
Sometimes that scenario that I described to you was multiple times a day. It's difficult. Fasting is supposed to be difficult. And I think sometimes we think about Jesus. Well, Jesus fasted 40 days, and I would never recommend anyone go 40 days. Those are very few exceptions in the Bible. We want to follow the rule, not the exception. And I think sometimes we think about Jesus. Well, yeah, but he's God. Of course he can fast 40 days. To have that mindset that fasting was easier for Jesus because he was God without really meaning to is also to share the mindset that the cross wasn't really a big deal for his humanity because he was God. That, oh, like, yeah, Jesus fasted 40 days, but, like, he didn't get, like, as hungry as normal people. Well, like, yeah, he died on the cross, but it wouldn't have hurt as much as some other people because he's God. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, which means that in that journey of sacrifice, which really would have been a small form of suffering, that, yeah, I can imagine that Jesus probably was exhausted. I can imagine that Jesus, his face was probably a little sunk in from all the weight he had lost. I can imagine that things, just mundane things that he was used to doing every day were now incredibly difficult because of the sacrifice that he was making for the glory of God. And I want to tell you that after one week, I know that it's super hard, but don't quit. I promise you, the reward that you will receive by you shifting your reliance on other things and onto the presence of God daily will revolutionize your life. The reality is, as a church, I think we need to be able to raise our pain threshold. Like, some of you might know, but like, I love fitness, and so... I really follow the fitness world. And if I'm being really honest, there are tons of fitness people who fast 21 days with just water for non-spiritual reasons, without the help of God. And they do it. And I think sometimes the world is better at fasting than we are. Sometimes I think that the world is better at sacrificing than the children of God. And, and I want to challenge you today to really think about what is your Reliance. Because I think your reliance shows you your alliance. And if you're only reliant on the things that you want, rather than showing yourself that you're reliant on the things that God wants, it shows us where our alliance, it shows us where our alliance lies. Is my, is my allegiance in my own purposes, in my own agenda, in the things that I want to do, or is it in his kingdom, in his purposes? And for some of you, I would challenge you today. Maybe you were fasting video games and, and you slipped and you started gaming again. There's no condemnation. Can I believe today you could start again? We've still got two weeks left in this journey. You can still join us. God's a God of grace, a God of mercy. There's no need for you to feel bad, no need for you to feel guilty but I do hope that God will challenge your soul and ask yourself, why did I quit? Did I quit because in those moments I said, God, I love you, but I love me more? And for some of you, maybe you had a back out because maybe, maybe you jumped the gun and maybe you fasted something that was maybe more than you're supposed to, maybe even more than God would have wanted you. And every situation is different. But for some of you, like I've done, if we'll be honest, we, we stopped fasting because it got too hard. I've done it.
But I think it's important for us to at least be able to acknowledge in our own hearts why we did it. We can try to excuse things away. Oh, yeah, but this, but that, but this, but that, but that. At the end of the day, when I've broken my fasts, it's because it was too hard. I couldn't handle it. And I stopped. At times, I needed to fast because my health was in danger. Whatever it might be, like those are real things. But acknowledging where is my reliance and fasting will shift your reliance off of the things that you are relying on daily and shifting your reliance on the presence of God daily. I challenge you, this is very difficult to do. The discipline of self-denial. Denying your desires for the glory of God. The second thing that I think this scripture teaches us about the benefits of the discipline of self-denial is that it keeps your inner beast from being unleashed. I want to read the passage again. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You'll see this time around that I've emphasized the word themselves because I really believe what Jesus wants you to grasp here is that Jesus isn't just saying, whoever wants to be my disciple needs to deny their own desires. No, no, he's saying something deeper. You need to deny yourself. You need to understand that sin is something more than just what we want to do. Sinning is a part of who you are. Now, I want you to understand, if you've given your life to follow Jesus, the old has gone the new has come. You've been adopted into the family of God. You've been forgiven of your sins. But you need to understand that all of us were born with a sinful nature. It's not just a thing that I do. It's innate inside of my DNA. It's inside of me. From very, very birth, I was born with the desire to sin. And this is the great dichotomy of every, every follower of Jesus. Because we're always asking ourselves the question, who am I? And I want to tell you what the Bible says who you are. Read this verse with me. Genesis 1:27. This is who you are. So God created mankind. He created you in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So beautiful. We have been created in the likeness and in the image of a holy God. Look what it also says about you. Ephesians 2.10. For we, for me, and for you, you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have been sent and created on mission to live our lives for the glory of God, to impact people around us. It is so beautiful who we are. But can I show you what else the Bible says? that you are, Psalm 58, 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. The wicked, that's me. That's you. It's humanity. To go estranged means to be alienated to go away from the desires and the purposes of which God 
created you. God created you to be with him, but through mankind, we have gone away from him with the intentions and the sinful nature deep inside of our bones to desire to sin against God. Parents will be able to relate to this. You never had to teach your children how to lie. They did it by themselves. You actually needed to teach them to tell the truth. You never had to teach your children to be selfish. They did it just by themselves. They didn't want to share their toys. They didn't want to give or play with others. You had to teach them to think about other people. Innate, all of us, we do wrong. Because innate, we're wicked. Look what else the Bible says about who we are. Psalm 19, 12. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me, God, from these hidden faults. Verses like this terrify me. To know that there are sins lurking in my heart, I don't even know they're there. There are some of you watching right now this stream, and I got the viewer list open, and that's the only way that I know that you're here. Some of you are listening to the podcast. I don't know that you're actually here. You're just lurking. But just because I don't know that you're here doesn't mean that you're not. And in my heart, there are sins lurking that I'm not even aware of, and there are hidden sins. You have to understand that you and I, we have deceived ourselves into thinking that we are great and mighty. People ask the question all the time, why do bad things happen to good people? A very famous pastor once said, they don't. That only happened once, and he volunteered for it. And his name was Jesus. We are so good at deceiving ourselves that we've deceived ourselves into believing that we're not actually deceptive. There are sins lurking in the deepest parts of our heart you haven't even discovered yet. Some of us haven't lived long enough just to know how evil we actually are. Some of you have had moments where you've said something, you're like, whoa, where did that come from? The Bible says that out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. What is in you will come out of you. You just don't even know what's truly inside of you. You might have had a conversation. I can't believe that I just, I'm so sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually mean that. Sometimes I think when we, when we get mad and we say, oh, I was mad and I said things I didn't mean. No, I think when we're mad we say things we actually really mean. I, I think the, the real you comes out when we're really mad, right? Our integrity really shows what's deep on the inside in those difficult moments, there might be moments where you've done something and you're thinking, what was I thinking? I, I, I can't even believe that I did that. It just kind of happened. I was backed into a corner. I just told some lie. I, I just kind of made something up. I don't even know, I'm not even sure where that came from. It was lurking, hidden in my heart. Last verse, Romans 7, 15. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. The things that I really want to do, I want to love people. I want to serve God. But sometimes I love me more. The things that I hate, sometimes I do them. Sometimes I can't help myself. The things that you're trying not to do. I'm just trying to be a better father, but sometimes I just, 
I keep on trying to be a better husband, but sometimes I just do the things that I'm trying to avoid doing. I'm really trying to break my addiction to pornography, but sometimes I just look at it anyway. I know that it's bad for me, but I can't keep clicking. The things that I want to do, the good things, I, I don't do them. And the bad things I'm trying to stop, sometimes I just do them anyway. I think every follower of Jesus needs to be keenly aware of the inner sinner that is inside of you. Because if you're not ultimately aware of the depth of your own sinfulness, you'll never learn to appreciate the depth of your salvation. If sin's not really a big deal, then why do we need to be saved from it? Like if sin's only a small deal, like why did Jesus have to put on this whole fiasco of the cross and the 39 lashes? Like, can, can we just like made it easier? No, 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 no. The punishment needed to be extreme because the crime was extreme. Sinning against a holy God. And as a follower of Jesus, when understanding self-denial, I actually would encourage you to remove the word never from your vocabulary. I hear Christians all the time. They see someone else do something sinful. Well, I would never do that. Well, I would never do that. Man, I, I would never. I'm not even capable of doing such a thing. You see it happen all the time when really famous pastors, people that were super influential, who are also human, will do something sinful and sometimes ruin their entire ministry and do something that was completely against what you thought their integrity was like. And then other people start saying, I can't believe he did that. I would never. I would never. I would never. And I've had so many people come to me with conversations like that. Can I be honest? When I see other pastors falling into sin, and I whip out my phone, and I see the news on Twitter, whatever it might be, I get on my knees before a holy God, and I say, God, if you don't help me, I'll be next. I am capable of things beyond my worst nightmares. I do my best to honor, love, and serve God and live holy. But if I'm not careful, my desires will come out. The great dichotomy of every follower of Jesus is you've been created in the likeness and the image of God, which means you are capable of greatness beyond your wildest dreams, while at the same time, capable of horrendous crimes beyond your worst nightmares. The things that humanity is capable of are the things that all of us are capable of. When you let sin grab a hold of your life and take control. And these moments when big preachers fall into sin, all it was was a moment of not practicing self-denial. It was just a moment where they gave themselves what they really wanted. It was just one moment. And that's all it took, one moment of saying, no, you know what? This time I'm going to say yes. I've been saying no for years to the struggles. But, I mean, just this one time. I'm going to say yes. God, I love you. But in this moment, I love me more. God, I know that you want me to do this, but in this moment, I, I want to do this more. And self-denial will keep your beast 
from being unleashed. This is why it's so important for you and I as followers of Jesus to be spending time praying every day, to be reading God's word. Why? Because spending time in the presence of God will keep you from becoming who you really are. It'll keep you from becoming the kind of husband that you're capable of being. But the presence of Jesus transforms you into being a kind and loving husband. Being in the presence of Jesus will transform you into being the kind of parent that you really, you really want to be versus the parent that you're capable of. Man, but I would never do that. No, but if you really let yourself have what you want enough times, you probably would. Everyone who's ever cheated on their wife are not normally these just like awful human beings who were raised by these crazy, insane people who were taught horrible morals. No, sometimes they were just nice, respectful people who just for one moment let themselves have the thing that they wanted. Just for one moment, I didn't self-deny. Just for one moment, I didn't pick up my cross and reverse my rebellion. Just for one moment, I said, God, I, I love you, but I, I love me more. And I really challenge you, when you look at others who are falling into sin, I wouldn't cast judgment on them. I would beg God that he keeps you from doing the same. I would get on your knees and fast and pray and say, God, keep my inner beast caged up so that I never get to experience who I really am. When you sin, it's a sneak peek of who you really are. But God forbid the days where you get a full preview where you allow sin to run rampant in your life, to change you. And it's little by little. It's little by little. Most people don't go zero to 100. It's little by little. It's just one time where they said yes, and another time where they said yes to sin. But I challenge you, if we're going to truly live our lives to honor Christ, self-denial. Self-denial. I want to look, but I won't. I want to cuss back, but I won't. I want to treat this person with the same disrespect they gave me, but I won't. Denial, denial, denial. I will not allow myself to have the things that I want. Because what I really want are the things of God. The whole point of this season of prayer and fasting is to reverse our lives so that we're no longer saying, God, I love you, but I love God me more. Instead, I want to acknowledge that, sure, I, I do love me. That's why you feed yourself. That's why you buy yourself things that you enjoy, and there's nothing wrong with that. God wants you to have a healthy level of respect and love for yourself, but he just wants you to love him more. He just wants you to love him more. I want to be able to say, God, in this moment, I love me, and I want to sin, and I want to rebel against you, but in this moment, God, I, I'm choosing to self-deny because I love you more. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're not following rules because they're good to follow. We're following standards because we love God. And we acknowledge that he is king and that he is worth every level of sacrifice we could ever give him because whatever we sacrifice for him whether it's saying no to sin, 21 days of prayer fasting, no matter how much we try to tell Jesus this is hard, I think his response would be, I know it is, but so was the cross. 
Jesus didn't just fast 40 days. Jesus fasted heaven for 33 and a half years for you. And what he's asking us to give up falls short in comparison to what he gave up for you and me. What he gave up for us is so much greater, so much more difficult. And I want to challenge you self-denial on the daily. Denying yourself will keep your inner beast from being unleashed. The third thing that I think we see in this scripture about the benefits of the discipline of self-denial is that it curbs your appetite for sin. I'll be honest, first I had to Google, is it curbs or curbs? I actually didn't know. Just kind of throwing out some fun facts there. <laughs> Maybe some of you are wondering the same thing. And it came from when they used to do something with horses. Actually, honestly, I just kind of forgot it in the meantime. But it's curbs, not curbs, okay? It is indeed curbs. Put curbs in the chat. Come on, somebody. But self-denial will curb your appetite for sin. Some of you are maybe experiencing this during your time of prayer and fasting. The first week, and this is why so many people give up in the first week, because the first week is so hard because your heart, your mind, and if you're fasting food, your body is having to adjust to a new way of life. Like, your body, if you're fasting food, is going into survival mode. Your heart and your mind, like you're in the midst of like breaking addiction, breaking reliance, and it's super difficult. But if you've ever completed 21 days of prayer and fasting, you know like there's, there, there's a three-part process. It's happened to me many times. First week is outrageously hard because you're breaking barriers, breaking addiction, your body's in survival mode. But then after the first week, once you make it past that seven days, like your body and your mind start realizing like, I have to adjust to a new way of life now. Like, your body doesn't know, like, hey, I know it was only 21 days of this, so, like, it's all right, we're going to make it through. Like, your body thinks, like, this is just, this is life now. I guess we're just not eating anymore. And your mind just starts going, like, okay, I guess social media is just, like, not a part of our day. And so you start adjusting. You start adjusting, and physically, your body starts curbing your appetite. You're like, okay, well, I guess, like, I better start really loving water because it's all I'm getting for the rest of my life. Like, your body begins to adapt your mind begins to adapt. Then the second week, like I'm not going to say it's easy, but like you adapt. But then the third week, especially if you're fasting food, your body is like, yo, I tried to adapt, but we're going really long now. And days like 17, 18, 19, 20, 20 are like really hard. But in the process of self-denial, it starts curbing your appetite for whatever you're removing. And Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must be pick up their cross daily, deny themselves, and follow me. And in your process of fleeing from sin, I promise you that as you begin a journey of denying yourself, saying no to pornography, saying, you know what, I'm finally going to make the step, and I'm moving out of my girlfriend's house. I'm making some steps to honor God. It will be outrageously hard at first. But then after a while of denial, 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 your mind, your heart, your body, it begins to curb your appetite a little bit. And you start adjusting to a new way of life. It, it, it curbs your desires. You'll see it. I, I'll put the, the verse up on screen again. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple. In this one, I, I, I want to really emphasize the word wants. You see, because denying yourself has everything to do with your wants, everything to do with your desires, 
everything to do with the things that you want. And as a follower of Jesus, the longer that you deny yourself, your wants start shifting. The Bible would call it a renewal of your mind. Other words might be sanctification, which is really just a big spiritual word to describe that I'm going through a process of becoming less like my inner beast and more like Jesus. It doesn't mean that you don't get to keep like your personality, right? You're still you, but your desires start shifting. The word repentance, another big Christian fancy word that really just means I'm turning. I used to go this way, but now I'm denying this old way of lifestyle, and I'm turning this way to follow Jesus because he's got a better way. But then to really understand repentance is to understand that after some time, it's not, it's not going to happen after two seconds. It's not going to happen the day that you say yes to follow Jesus. But after a while through sanctification, it's not just a turning in your actions. It's actually a turning in your mind and a curbing of your appetite that the things that I used to love, like sin, now I'm beginning to hate. And the things that I used to hate, like loving people who are rude to me, being kind to trolls, now I'm learning to love those people. And there's a, there's a flip of my wants. There's a flipping of my desires. And over time, it begins to curb your appetite for sin. Now, it's not going to get rid of it completely. Us as human beings, this is why we need Jesus we will struggle with sin for the rest of our lives. While we were here on this earth, we will need daily to deny ourselves. And I promise you, following Jesus will never be easy. But it will always be worth it. It will always be worth it. But as you practice the discipline of denying yourself, telling yourself, no, I will not give myself what I want, it's a, part of, it's a part of spiritual maturity and really just adulthood maturity. Children always want what they want, and they always think they should have what they want. But adults understand, no, I can't eat candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I need to give myself sometimes what I don't want. And although, sure, I'd love to be able to eat whatever I want all the time, I'm disciplining myself, self-denial, to not always give me what I want, but rather to give me what God wants. And I promise you that after a time of you practicing, no, 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 it gets easier. It doesn't completely go away. And it's like, oh man, I, I'm, I haven't struggled with sin in 17 years. No, 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 it's probably more like 17 seconds. But you get better at saying no. You, you, you get better at what you practice with everything in life. And the more that you deny yourself, you, you will get better at it. I know it seems really hard. I know the first week is rough, but I promise you, week two gets a little bit easier. I promise you that the more you practice self-denial, I won't allow myself to have it. I won't allow myself to have it. I promise you it gets easier. I've been a journey. I know it might sound small, but I am the worst snoozer of all time. Like literally, for years, I have planned to snooze six or seven times. I know it probably sounds outrageous, and it, it is. You, you should think I'm an idiot. Right? It's like the craziest thing ever. Snoot, like I, I plan for an extra hour of just horribly interrupting my own REM cycle. Like the worst idea ever. 
but I did it for years. And right now I'm on a small journey of saying no more snoozing. No more. It doesn't matter. Whatever time you need to get up, set your alarm. When it goes off once, up. I don't care that you're tired. Stuff's got to get done. Deny yourself. And I'll be honest, first week, I snoozed. <laughs> I snoozed, man. Snoozed four, three, two times the next day. One time the next day, one time, one time, one time. But then I got down to getting up. And it was really, really hard. But now I'm like three weeks in, and I'll be honest, this morning, it wasn't too bad. I'm really glad because the Lord changed my entire message. But it, it, it got easier. Because as I practice self-denial, man, I really want to hit that snooze button, but I don't get to. God's putting, he's put too much potential inside of you for you to waste it away by not having discipline. Discipline is the difference between getting what God has put inside of you out to the world by setting discipline in your life. And after time, I promise you, it, it gets easier. Keep pushing, keep fighting, keep denying. Time and time again, it will curb your appetite for sin. It won't cure it, but it'll curb it. And as a church, this is why we need each other. Discipline will curb your appetite for sin, but accountability will keep you from falling back into it. Accountability. That's why if you're not in an experience group, you're asking to fall into sin. I really think so. If you're not in an experience group, you're not being honest and vulnerable with other human beings who can hold you up when you feel like you're about to fall, almost 10 out of 10 times, you probably will. If you don't let people know about your inner beast, they can't keep you from letting it come out. And I would really, really challenge you. If you're not in an experience group, there's going to be a link in the chat. Don't even wait till after service. You can still listen to me while you're filling it out. It'll take you five seconds. Get into a group. You, you've been putting it off for a long time. Oh, well, I feel nervous. Deny yourself. Well, but I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty busy. Deny yourself. And get into an experience group. Get yourself plugged into the Word of God, studying alongside God's people. And I promise you, you'll be changed forever. The last thing that I think this scripture teaches us about the benefit of the discipline of self-denial is it reminds you of who is Lord. I want to read that scripture one final time. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow you. I want you to know that God is a God of compassion. He's a heavenly father. He is kind, full of grace, and he loves you. But he is also a God of immense authority and power. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. And he is to be revered, honored, and respected. And I highlighted in that scripture, my disciple. Because self-denial will remind you of who is Lord. Jesus is not our disciple. We are his. He is master and I am the servant. And I dare not confuse the two. I am following 
his commands because his ways are better than mine and not the other way around. And self-denial, every time you do it, will remind you that Jesus is Lord and not me. At the end of every message, we ask people to put yes in the chat, saying that you are saying yes to make Jesus Christ your Lord. And the reality is, some weeks we get people to do it. Some weeks we get people to type yes in the chat to follow Jesus. But every week, people are putting yes to the question, Lord. But they're just saying yes to themselves rather than yes to Jesus. Everybody is worshiping and serving someone. You get to decide, is it Jesus or is it you? And I promise you that the denial of yourself is difficult, but it will be the greatest thing that you've ever done. Denying yourself of your own lordship and embracing his. I don't know about you, but I want to be a radical follower of Jesus. You know, the radical, the word radical can get a bad rap from time to time. And when it's used for other religions to like radically follow their book to a T, causes them to do bad things. But did you know that in our book, if we radically were to follow it to a T, we could change the world? If we were to radically love Jesus, and radically be a Christian, we'd be loving people who don't deserve it. We'd be serving people who have never done anything to earn it. We would be respecting people who disrespect us. We would be serving and giving to the poor even though we've never talked to them. If we were radical followers of Jesus, we would be denying ourselves. But isn't it interesting that in other faiths that the radical people are the ones who are doing bad, and the kind of mediocre ones are the ones that you've accepted. Like, oh, well, the, the mediocre people of that religion, yeah, they don't seem to be very harmful. They're okay. But isn't it interesting that in the Christian faith, the radical ones are the ones that are changing the world, but the mediocre ones are the ones that nobody likes. The mediocre Christians are judgmental. The mediocre Christians that are cussing and misrepresenting the faith. It's because the mediocre, casual Christians are the ones that are not denying themselves. They're the ones that are giving themselves what they want, that are in church on Sundays, but sleeping on their girlfriend's house on Saturday nights. Those are the ones, they're just not denying themselves. The difference is denial. Because it tells us who is really Lord. And I want Jesus to be mine. Because I'll tell you, I don't make a very good one. I don't make a very good one. The world should be grateful that I'm not king of the universe because I wouldn't do a very good job. I'm selfish, arrogant, manipulative on the inside. But every day, I deny. I deny deny and once in a while it slips out and I gotta remind myself deny 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 people love and I'm so honored that people love to watch my stream because they say Pastor Susie you're so kind can I tell you that before I began a practice of denying myself you wouldn't have said that 
before I began a practice of denying myself for the glory of God, if I had streamed back then, you wouldn't have followed. I was selfish, arrogant. Used the gift that God gave me to communicate with my words, to manipulate other people to get my own way. I was a different person. Do you know who I was? I was who I really am. And now, the things that people enjoy about me are not actually what you enjoy about me. They're actually what you enjoy about Jesus. Because I'm just trying to be more like him. Because he's my Lord, not me. Because every day I do my best to pick up my cross, reverse my rebellion, to deny myself and to follow him. And today I want to invite you to do the same thing. For every single one of you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we've been in the habit of setting some new disciplines and practices in our lives. And one of the things that we've been doing is we've been doing things like lifting our hands, but we've been also doing things like getting on our knees. And today I want to invite you again today to deny yourself. It's a humbling thing to get on your knees because I'm never going to bow before any other man. They, they can't earn it. But I will bow before a king. I'm a servant. He's the master. And by getting on my knees, it reminds me of who is Lord. Because I want to stand. I want to be strong. But when I get on my knees, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm denying myself and acknowledging actually I'm not strong. I'm, I'm weak. And I need a holy God. And I want to invite some of you right now. If, if, you're, if you're capable, you don't have any type of health conditions or, or disabilities that would prevent you from doing so, I, I want to invite you to join me in denying yourself and getting into a, a position of submission that says, God, it's, it's not about me. It's about you. What getting on your knees says is, God, I, I do love me, but I want to love you more. I want to love you more. And I'd invite you right now in your living rooms, in your bedrooms, probably not while you're driving in your car, but I want to invite you everywhere you're listening right now to literally get down on your knees and spend a, just a few minutes with me praying as we submit our lives to follow Jesus and to practice self-denial, to say no to sin, to say no to my inner beast, to say no to becoming who's really living on the inside of me. And I'm so grateful that Jesus has protected me from my own sinful nature when I say yes to him and no to me. And I want to invite you as we spend just a few minutes praying together, asking God to help us practice self-denial. God, we just come before you today and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us to do something that is so difficult. To deny ourselves. God, help us to become really good at saying no to the things that we want when it's necessary. God, it doesn't mean that we have to say no to everything. God, you delight in the fact of 
Sometimes we have fun and we have pleasures here on this earth. And God, that's great. But not when it comes at the expense of your glory or of your holiness. And I pray in Jesus' name that for many of us, we would, we would just learn today the discipline of self-denial. I pray that our hearts would be filled with a deeper love than you. God, the reality is we should love you so much more than we do. I should love you so much more than I do. Help me to love you more, God. Teach us to love you more, God. God, so many times in our lives we say, God, I love you, but in this moment I love me more. Help us to reverse the rebellion and to say, God, I do love me, but I love you more. And because of it, I deny, I deny, I deny. I pick up my cross, I deny myself, and I follow Jesus in every area. Teach us to be disciplined. Teach us to be like Jesus. Teach us to love you and to honor you. And teach us, God, through this 21 days of prayer and fasting to deny ourselves. God, I pray for those that right now have stopped their fast because it was difficult. First of all, God, if they're carrying any sense of guilt, shame, or feeling like they're less than everyone else who didn't give up, I pray that those thoughts would just be rebuked in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that they would know that they're forgiven, they're loved, yeah, God, your grace covers them. But I do pray, unless there's some legitimate reason why they had to stop, I pray that, God, you would remind them it's not too late to start again. We can pick right back up. No shame, no condemnation. Come on, let's get back up. Let's try it again. Let's try it again for the glory of God. Help us to deny, deny ourselves so that we can be more like Jesus. God, I pray for those right now that are feeling in their hearts that, God, you've been wanting them to start doing something, but they've been held back by fear. I pray that they would deny the fact that they're afraid and to obey what you're calling them to do. I pray for those that, God, you've been putting it on their hearts to forgive someone, but they don't want to because they're still angry. I pray that you would help heal their heart to deny the fact that they want to stay angry and to obey the fact that their king is calling them to forgive. I pray in Jesus' name to give strength to those right now that are on the brink of this fast and, and thinking about quitting, I pray that, God, you would help encourage them, give them peace, and again, help them to deny. Deny, deny, deny. God, I pray that we would become professional deniers of our own desires. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, help us to become God incredibly efficient at obeying our King, understanding that when we fall, there's grace and there's mercy. But, God, I would love if I had to use as little of your mercy as possible. I would love, God, if I had to use as little of your forgiveness as possible. I'm grateful that it's there. But, God, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to keep having to show me mercy. I don't want you to have to keep forgiving. I want God for me to just obey you. But at times, it's difficult. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, 
change us, transform us. I pray after 21 days of prayer and fasting that we would, we'd literally, we'd be different. I pray that you would help us to ask ourselves this question. How am I going to become more like Jesus when these 21 days are over? How am I tangibly actually going to be more like Jesus when 21 days are over? And we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to change us, shape us, and transform us for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There are many of you here that may be watching for the very first time. And maybe you're here and you've never really been at church before. Maybe you've been watching me play some Valorant. And this is probably very different content than what you've been watching all week. But you're here and there's, there's something tugging on your heart. And right now, you're gaining a realization that you too should deny yourself. It goes against everything you've been taught. The world will teach you that you should have exactly what you desire. You've earned it. You deserve it. But the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Which, which means that I have earned something. But it's actually not His grace. It's actually His wrath. That there's a consequence for our sins. That all of us, including me, I'm no better than you, have fallen short of the glory of God. And because of it, there's a punishment to be paid, but God loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, to pay that punishment in your place. And three days later, he rose from the grave, showcasing that he is God, that there is none like him, and that whoever would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ, like we talked about, is Lord, they can be forgiven. And you can have eternal life. But it starts with you denying yourself. What I'm asking you to do today is not just to pray a simple prayer, say some words, and feel good. No, what I'm asking you to do today is to make a decision to deny yourself. And to say, I've been going this way my whole life, but today I'm making a decision to put my hope, my trust in Jesus Christ so I can experience relationship with God and inherit eternal life. But I'm denying myself and I'm going to follow his ways instead. And I don't even really fully know what all that means yet, but I'm going to start figuring it out. And, and I'm going to allow God Squad Church to walk me through in that journey. And I'm going to pray in a second. And I want you to pray the prayer with me only if that's what you mean. I don't want you to pray and say some fancy words because it'd be cool. I'd rather you not pray the prayer with me and not mean it. I'd rather you not pray the prayer with me if you don't mean it than to pray it with me and just be like, eh, you know what? I don't even know if I really care about this stuff. I want you to understand that right now you're making a decision to, to deny yourself. It's the greatest decision I'll ever make in your life. But it's a difficult one. It, it, it's a difficult one. And so if that's you and you want to make a decision today to deny yourself and to follow someone who's greater than you and who's greater than me, pray this prayer with me. God, I ask you today to forgive me of my sins and to be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. And right now, God, 
I make a decision to deny myself and to say yes to following you. And help me, God, not just to deny myself today, but daily. To pick up my cross, to deny myself, and to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, will you go ahead and right now and put some hype in the chat for those that are saying yes to follow Jesus. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Well, congratulations to anybody who is saying yes to Jesus Christ today. And hey, if you did accept Jesus Christ today, I want you to do something bold right now. If you said yes to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you rededicated your life because you've been realizing, as Pastor Susie was ser- uh, during his sermon, you've been realizing, I haven't been denying myself. I haven't been focusing on Jesus. Maybe you rededicated your life to Jesus Christ today. I want you to do something bold and put a yes in the chat. If you just accepted Jesus Christ, or Jesus Jesus Christ for the first time or rededicated your life, we would love to be able to celebrate with you. And also, uh, we would love to be able to connect with you as well. If, you, if somebody can put in the link for the next level forms in the chat, the, it, that will allow us to be able to, to connect with you. If you guys fill out that those forms with as much information as you feel comfortable giving, that will allow us to be able to give you some resources because a lot of people, they don't know exactly what, they're, what they, they, they know they made a big decision, but they don't know where to go from here. They don't know how to pray or how to read the Bible. Where should I start reading in, in, in their Bibles? And we would love to be able to walk with you on this journey because it's an absolutely amazing decision that you have just made. And we want to be able to help you as you guys are continuing on. And congratulations once again to those of you that are saying yes to Jesus Christ today. And hey guys, this is the reason why we do what we do here at God Squad Church. We continue to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people all throughout the world. People are saying yes to Jesus Christ every single week, whether it be right here while we're while we're watching it right now live. People are saying yes to Jesus on YouTube, in the VODs and things like that. And so we thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity for giving to uh, God Squad Church so we can continue doing this. And maybe you've never given before. We want you to know there's multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to God Squad Church. You can do so by going into the panels below and clicking on the Give link. You can also go to our website and you can customize it to any format that that fits for you so you, got, you guys can give there. And also you can use text give by texting any amount to the number 84. Three, two, one. But no matter how you're giving, we thank you so much for giving. And remember, every penny counts.